You're listening to Leah and Alana watch The X-Files. Leah's seen it. Alana hasn't. I'm Leah. I'm Alana. Here we fucking go. We're doing it. So we're talking about episode 15 called Lazarus. We are past the halfway point i didn't even we didn't even stop to celebrate that's true we're i think well past it now and by well i mean like three episodes but there's what 24 25 episodes 24 in this season so yeah we we flew right past it where where should we start with this episode well so i felt very unsure where to start as well even when Uh, Taking my notes, the first thing I wrote is, we're in the middle of the fucking plot. Who is that guy and what are we doing and how did we get here? Uh, (laughs) No, I'm not. And like, bear in mind, I've seen this before. (laughs) Are you talking about the first scene? The very first scene, just because it was like Scully and a strange man. I was like, who, what are we doing? Okay, that's a, uh, that's, I think, a good place to start, starting at the beginning. They show us a scene of Scully and this other agent who are doing a stakeout of a suspected bank robbery. They've gotten a tip that the bank robbers are showing up and they're waiting for them. But I didn't understand. And the episode, I thought this was a flashback at first because Mulder's not there and it's just Scully with this guy we've never met. Um, And it wasn't a flashback, but they never explained to us why Scully was doing this. No. No, they don't. And I, I mean, I could only assume that it's like when Mulder's old partner like came and asked him for help in the Ghost in the Machine episode, but they just like skip telling us that like someone came and asked Scully to work a case with them, um, which I think maybe would have been useful, but also like, I guess who really gives a shit so much else happens in this episode. They were like, fuck it. Just start in the middle of a scene with a strange man. We don't know. And a bank robbery and, and don't tell us where Mulder is. Yeah. Yeah. They made a choice to do that. I did know from the beginning because of the description of this episode that Scully's ex-boyfriend was involved and you could just tell from the way that they talk to each other in this scene, that that was her ex-boyfriend. I love the way we slowly learn about about their romantic pasts and how little we really learn. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, I they introduce exes in the first season, but I I feel like it becomes less common throughout. But I assume it's probably like, didn't we talk about this when with the episode with Phoebe Mulder's ex where it was like the audience did not respond well to it. They were like, we don't want to see them have love interests or past love interests. Right. Yeah. And I think that like, uh, I mean, I, I'm assuming that at a certain point because the show goes on so long, they can't keep introducing exes because they just don't have any more exes. <laughs> Especially Mulder. Like, I would believe that Phoebe is Mulder's only ex. Oh, yeah, for sure. I honestly, I can't even remember. There's there's something else happens with Scully, but it's literally, like, season seven. And I'm like, you guys are just going to pull this out of nowhere? But, yes, they are. 
that's how they do things on this show. Um, but I do, I mean, the, the jealousy, though, though minor, we get to witness from Mulder is, um, is very satisfying, I, I think. Yeah, I didn't pick up on a ton of, of jealousy, but I do feel like he was a bit uh, disapproving, and we'll get into why. But I, I just feel like it's important to call attention to the fact that Scully has a history of dating her coworkers. Uh, she's done this before. Often her, like, he was, like, her boss, kind of? He was her instructor at the academy, which basically means he was her teacher. Uh, so I, and when, when Mulder learns this, this is when I picked up on him being a bit disapproving, which I also was. Yeah. Yeah. I have something to say that I can't say, so I'm just gonna. Why can't you say it? Uh, because it's like, you know, something about season seven. (laughs) Uh, What? She dates another teacher? (laughs) Yeah, she goes back to school and she dates her teacher. <laughs> Things get really strange. Um, no, but... Um, okay, well, I'll just wait for seven years from now. I'll make a note. I think it'll be like three and a half years. Yeah. We're going. Maybe three. Depends, That's fine. Depends if things pick up or slow down. You know, there's really no way of knowing. <laughs> yeah, I can wait that long. That's fine. Um, but uh, Scully dated this guy for a full year. And to be honest, when they're like around each other and he's going through the things that he goes through in this episode, it doesn't really seem like she cares that much. Like mm-hmm. she's certainly not Mulder still hung up on Phoebe. She, yeah. she oh, she's not hung up on him. No. She's just more like a, it's it's an ex-boyfriend, and that's how she treats it. Like, Mulder treated Phoebe like, uh, she's still the love of my life, and I'm fucked. Um, and that's because he's just a fool. Um, and Scully is a strong, independent woman who dates only men in powerful positions. But you know what? I think that we can kind of assume that she had some daddy issues. So yeah, for sure. She's looking for validation. Sorry. She still didn't know if her dad was proud of her after he died. So like, yeah, of course, while he was alive, she was going to be actively seeking out men in power to validate her. Oh God, Scully. Yeah. Scully, we're so sorry that you're going through this. This episode was at least at first in the very, uh, first half of this episode, you know, I thought it was pretty romantic because the bank robbers that we're mm-hmm. um, following who do rob this bank and um, one of them gets shot, but they're a couple uh, and they seem to love each other very much. The guy says some very nice things to the female bank robber. He says, whenever I look up at the stars, I know you're going to be looking at the same ones which is very nice. He's, he tells her, you make every day feel like New Year's Eve. Um, what a line. <laughs> I was like, great line. my heart is jumping. 
That's what I want. I want somebody to tell me that I make them feel like New Year's Eve. Come on. That's a great line. Or you can say someone in hopes that they'll say it back. Could say it to myself in the mirror. You could do that. And frankly, it's probably more powerful. <laughs> just you. Just, I can just picture you like just so close to the mirror being like, every day you like New Year's Eve. And yeah, did, did I do that exact same thing this morning? I mean, maybe. Frankly, I think it's a beautiful affirmation to say every day. I agree. Yeah. I, and that's what I'll be doing from here on out. Um, self-love will come from quotes from the X-Files. <laughs> Specifically this episode. I'm going to start telling myself that when I look at the stars, I'll be looking at the same one. <laughs> I mean, that's true. So It's always true. They also talk about whenever they, I think, got married, they go to the ocean, they go down to the beach, and, and they cut their hands, I think, and they let the blood go into the ocean. And the guy's like, this is so we can be married in all the oceans in the world. Which I don't think is how that that works, but I appreciate the sentiment. When they first did that, I was like, what, are they going to become blood brothers? Like, why? I thought they were going to, like, cut their hands and, like, mash them together. Like, walk away. I was like, that seems like a weird, a weird choice to make, but... No, obviously they put it in the ocean so they could be married in all the oceans in the world. And that's, that's love. Yeah. I don't know why their blood make in the ocean makes them married in the ocean. I, I don't, I don't know if I follow that, but um, he's very poetic. So he is, he really is. He's a, he's a romantic at heart and you can tell. Yeah. And he, I also would like to say, I don't know, in defense of this guy, not in defense of this guy, I'm not sure how I feel yet, but they give the backstory on these people and they met while she was in prison and he was a guard at the prison. And they started a romance and then, I don't know, a, he broke her out or if she was released my memory's a little foggy on that and then started doing bank robberies together so I feel like he was kind of tricked into this uh very much by this woman and you know he just wants to be married in all the seas in the world and she's like we're gonna rob some banks at the same time though cool yeah I mean what we eventually learn skipping kind of ahead is that he's much more in love with her than she is with him, which was quite honestly heartbreaking to me. This whole episode, I was like, these people are the definition of love. And then when she turned on him, I was like, you know what? Love isn't real. And this this has proven that to me. I assume it's it's akin to, you know, when your parents get divorced. I mean, for me, this was more heartbreaking than my parents getting divorced, but. Yeah. I, uh, my whole world was shattered and my whole belief in love was shattered. So I think it is similar. So to backtrack a bit, what happens is that this guy gets shot, uh, but he also shoots. Uh, Kelly shoots this guy. Yeah, that's an important thing to to note. This guy shoots her ex-boyfriend and then Scully shoots him. And they end up in the hospital in the same operating room and Scully's there 
And she's giving the doctors and nurses orders in a way that I don't think she is actually allowed to. She seems to be able to do whatever she wants just by saying she's a doctor, which is something I would try to do if I was a doctor as well. But I think she should know that that's not how it works. Right. The actual doctors who are practicing medicine should have say over her. But the one doctor even asks her, like, that her husband, not her husband, wow, her ex-boyfriend is, he's been dead for like 12 minutes and they want to call it. But they ask Scully if they should call it. And it's like, not her decision. No, none of it is. I don't even know why she's in that room with them. Right. She shouldn't be. She should not be. Part of me is like, yeah, well, I guess she was right because he did come back to life. But also he didn't really because it's the other guy's spirit in his body. And really they could have avoided this whole shit show that occurs in this episode if she had just let him die when he was already dead. So they bring him back to life, but it's actually somehow... The wires got crossed, and it's the bank robber, and he's in her ex-boyfriend's body. What I don't understand is how in this scene when they're, like, shocking his body, I don't know, whatever the medical term for that is, the guy, the bank robber, I wish I had written down his name, uh, is dead in the bed next to them, and his body is, like, convulsing with each shock of um, her ex-boyfriend. And I'm just, I don't, I can't wrap my head around how nobody noticed that the dead body is like moving a lot. Like, it's not like it's like a finger twitch. It's like he's being shocked and nobody, nobody's Yeah. Aware. Well, that's how little they cared about him. Which is just, I mean, that's how, that's how we treat people that are perceived as criminals um, compared to how we treat um FBI agents. So exactly, just the it's the X Files showing us the discrepancy and the uh, abuse of power of the government and the FBI once again. Once again, thanks X Files. <laughs> the FBI I in real life is like fucking stop it, you guys. <laughs> I feel like it's important. I have to say this. This plot line reminded me a lot of a David Duchovny movie that comes like way after this, which is, uh, it's called The Secret. And what happens in The Secret, uh, this is, I don't know if anybody listening has watched this movie. It's a pretty crazy movie. Uh, David Duchovny is married. He has a teenage daughter. The teenage daughter and the mom, David Duchovny's wife, get into a car accident and they're trying to save them and what happens is that the body of the teenage daughter lives but the spirit of the mom is inside it and then there's a whole very sexually confusing dynamic that's happening between david duchovny and the teenage daughter character who has his wife inside of the body um so I just wanted to throw that out there. I feel like people need to know that this plot line exists, when that this movie exists. Movie? When did you watch this? Oh, I haven't watched it. Oh. I've just... 
<laughs> we can watch it later. Um, I listened to a podcast about it. Okay. I thought that you were going to bring up Return to Me, which is not the same, but is kind of similar. Vein. And when you were describing the fact that in this movie, his wife and daughter get in a car accident, I'm like, damn, he's really diddled. I mean, I can only think of two, but two seems like a lot of movies to do about a man whose wife has died in a car accident and <laughs> somehow lives on in someone else. Um, in return to me, her heart is used as an, oh, she's an organ donor and someone else receives her heart. Um, Who David Duchovny ends up dating. Of course, obviously. Yeah, he is, this is a pattern of him playing characters who are horny for um, people who have some some part of their ex his ex wife in them. It's I don't I don't like the description of the secret, um, but I can't wait to watch it. <laughs> yeah, we gotta watch it. So basically, that's what happens in this episode, except. Uh, David Duchovny is not explicitly sexually attracted to either of the people involved. I wish that he was. I wish that they had just went ahead and like taken that route in this episode, but it was too much for 1993 maybe. Yeah, I mean like him and Scully fighting over the same person, that would be a lot for 1993. But it would be something I'd be very interested in watching. Oh, me too, for sure. I just pictured uh, <laughs> uh, a reality where Scully is not jealous of Phoebe because of Mulder, but because she's interested in Phoebe. And I just wanted to share that with you because it was a very exciting thought. Now, that's interesting. That would be a power couple for sure. Right? They oh. would be unstoppable. But I also feel like they they would influenced by phoebe they would be doing some bad stuff i think i don't think they would be it would be interesting i don't know who would win out would it be scully and her rational medical science background who is so calm and collected or phoebe who's like fucking batshit crazy even though she seems to act put together i don't know but i would love to see Uh. it (laughs) It, it, here's our next fan fiction idea. Let's start writing it. Phoebe's like, there's no, Phoebe is in this one episode and we're like, we are going to really run with this. <laughs> so when Scully's ex-boyfriend, who is the FBI agent, if FBI agent wakes up, um, he's the bank robber, actually. Mm-hmm. And he goes down to the morgue and finds the body of himself the bank robber like he he, looks in the mirror and like realizes that he's not who he thinks he is yeah and he he doesn't have as big of a reaction to this as i think i would i would lose my shit personally but he's just like all right i guess this is the vessel i walk around in now let me go find my body yeah and he goes and finds his body and he wants the wedding ring from it so he cuts off several fingers, which I, I don't know why he had to do that. Three fingers, and it really seems like he could have just gone, gotten the one. I don't know why he had to cut the finger off at all. Couldn't he just take the wedding ring off? I think maybe the finger had expanded 
beyond the point of removing the ring. I don't know. Does the body swell after death? I feel like it would. Maybe. I don't know. It gets tense, but I don't know if that makes it. Yeah. If you can't move it, I don't, I don't know much about um, corpses, but I assume he was unable to remove it. Or maybe he was just like, fuck it. I want some of my fingers too. Well, the thing is, is that I think if I was in this guy's position and my spirit is in somebody else's body, but I find my body, I feel like I would be thinking, okay, how do I get back into my body? Not let me mutilate my body. Yeah. He, he very quickly accepted that his body was dead. Yeah. Which, I mean, I guess, yeah, I mean, I don't think he could get back into it if he tried. So he was, like, not going to waste his time. But I don't really know what he thought, like, how he thought his life was going to work when he looked like this other man who was an FBI agent. So, like, no one that he knew would have trusted him. Yeah, he doesn't seem to spend a lot of time thinking about any of this. All he wants is to get back to his wife because he loves her so much. But something else that happens is that uh, the bank robber on his body had an arm tattoo that starts coming through on the FBI agent body, which doesn't make any sense. It, like, removes itself from the bank robber. And they, like, make a point to show the tattoo before this starts happening so that, like, you know to, like, watch for it. But it's like, what? Your t- is your tattoo – are tattoos attached to your spirit? Maybe. And, I mean, I guess I kind of feel like my tattoos are. Well, then, when you die and your spirit inhabits another body, the tattoos are coming with you. So I guess the permanence of tattoos has a new meaning now. Yeah. I – I didn't realize that's what I was signing up for when I, I signed my waiver to get the tattoos. But, you know, it makes sense. Yeah. It's, they're, they're part of us, meaning our souls, not our physical, mortal flesh vessels. I guess what I was wondering, when you say this, that makes sense. Like, understanding that a tattoo is part of your soul really explains this. But I was wondering, like... would other parts of his body start to change? Would he eventually start looking like his old self? It doesn't seem like that is the case, but it's just so odd that it's only the tattoo that transfers. Yeah, the tattoo, I I almost felt like it should have had more of a significance or power, like, that we should have, like, known about. But I think it was literally just to have a visual representation that this guy is this guy now. Like, (laughs) I think that that's what it was for. It was like imagery of his soul being in a different body. Um, But I think we could have figured it out without it. Yeah, I had already gotten that. I didn't need the tattoo part. But later when, spoilers, um, Spoilers. we never dies. Yeah. Jack dies, uh, the FBI agent body dies, the tattoo fades away. So it really was like, he's gone now, which I think we already understood. Yeah, I kind of wonder if the tattoo, (laughs) nobody has scared this much about this tattoo ever in watching this episode, I bet. But I wonder if the tattoo 
now just doesn't exist or if it reappeared on his previous dead body? I think it, it doesn't exist because it went with his soul to heaven where I'm sure that he went. That's crazy. So do you think if you die and you don't inhabit a new body, do your tattoos slowly fade off your skin? Well, I think they do anyway, because your skin slowly fades. Do they quickly? In general. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I hope so. But that would be, I think that would be fun if that were true. I think another aspect of why the tattoo is here and why it's so important is because they also kind of do this separate theory of like, Jack, the FBI agent, isn't possessed. He's just um, experiencing psychosis because he was so obsessed with catching these bank robbers. And they even like go as far as to have Mulder looking at his notes and even Mulder is starting to think like maybe he's just like really obsessed because he is, Jack has written in kind of like his notes how, how much he's getting in their mindset and how like connected he feels to them. So it, it could be left up to, you know, your own interpretation of whether he was actually possessed or whether he was experiencing psychosis, except for that they do this thing with the tattoo. So now we know, like, I, like why, even, why even make it a question of whether he's experiencing psychosis or not when you do the tattoo thing? Because they have to have some sort of medical rationale to balance out the spooky X-Files aspect, because that's how these episodes operate. We can't only have one freaky theory with no skepticism to ground us. That's true. But we know it's not true. We, because they, the tattoo is one of the first things they show us. I don't make the rules, Alana, okay? One day we will talk with Chris Carter and we will ask him all of our questions and he will hate us. Um, it's going to be great. To our earlier point, though, like this guy dies, Jack dies, and oh, yeah. I, Scully just is really not that upset by it. I mean, she's not happy about it, but it didn't feel like a big emotional thing for her. Yeah, I felt like her her biggest emotions were like, she was very emotional about trying to save him, especially, you know, that guy is in his body and something's happening to him. And she's like, well, he's diabetic because she knows all of this and is like, you know, demanding that she's able to like save him um, and like telling them what he needs and, like, I feel like that scene is is the highest emotion. Uh, we yeah, she, she definitely doesn't want him to die. But, um, but, yeah, she's not, like, devastated afterwards. But maybe she's – I mean, she's also been through it. They have her, like, handcuffed to a radiator in this, like, shack. So – Yeah, this is – she goes through an extremely traumatic event. And also it's, like – well, her father just died not that long ago, and now her ex-boyfriend is dying. Also, Mulder got shot not that long ago. Uh, and she's also been kidnapped and kind of beat up and held hostage. So she's been through a lot. Pretty rough life. 
I do think that part of it is that, like, part of why she's not so upset is that she's realized that, like, this is not him. And it is the other guy's spirit. And so, like, and I think she even says at the end that, like, his, she checked his watch and when his watch had stopped was, like, when he died originally. And it's, like, I think she kind of accepted that he was, dead before and she didn't actually save him like she thought she was saving him um so i think the the level of her being upset may have been affected by that because like he wasn't she wasn't actually interacting with him at all over the past week yeah that's true i mean she is kind of upset at the end but it's more kind of like that she doesn't understand what happened and she's trying to like grapple with this like supernatural thing that happened as opposed to really feeling emotional that her ex-boyfriend died. Yeah. yeah. She does at one point describe Jack by saying that he was intense and relentlessly determined. And who does that sound like? I don't know. Does Perhaps. she have a type? It sounds like she has a type. Type? Um, yeah, I would say she definitely has a type. Coworkers who are intense and relentlessly determined. Yeah, I mean, I think that was literally in the original character description of Mulder. <laughs> <laughs> Something happens in this episode that I thought you probably enjoyed was that Mulder plays one of his classic pranks that we talked about before. I love when Mulder is a little prankster. <laughs> Classic prankster. He, Mulder, um, gets a birthday card because Scully says that her and her ex-boyfriend have the same birthday and they celebrated it together. So he takes the birthday card to the possessed ex-boyfriend and has him sign it. Even though it's not Scully's birthday, the guy doesn't know. He has no recognition that of when Scully's birthday is or that they share the same birthday. Um, so Mulder's like, aha, I caught him. It's not ah, him. I got him. <laughs> Classic Mulder prank. Like, that's the way that he decides to prove that this is not <laughs> the same guy, which I think is just so sweet. What a fun way yeah. to do detective work. It is. It's so fun. Well, while we're talking about things that we like about Mulder, I guess I'll just say that I really like when he wears the uh, puffy FBI jacket. That's like the winter FBI jacket. It has like the fur trim on it. I think he really looks good in that. But so does Scully. They, she doesn't wear it in this one, but they both look good in that jacket. That's a great jacket. Do you think we could get our hands on one of those? Yeah, I, I would love to have one. I don't know what I want it to say because I don't want it to say FBI on the back. Yeah. But I think I that would one that does say FBI, but it's one that underneath it says female, female body inspector. Yes. Okay, that's perfect. They gotta make these jackets, right? Oh, Somebody has to have made these. Frankly, David Duchovny probably made them. <laughs> I hope so. I would gladly give him money for one of those jackets. You think he has an FBI shirt that says female body inspector? He's gotta. Um, even if he didn't buy it on his own, I have to believe that somebody over the course of the last 27 years have given him that. Yeah. And you know he wears it around the house. I do, this is also just another Mulder note, really enjoy 
I don't even know. I think it's perhaps when he's in the jacket, or maybe I'm slightly off on where my note took place, but he is, you know, they're trying to save Scully while she's, like, kidnapped, and he goes, you listen to me, you lay one hand on Scully, and so help me God. And I was like, (laughs) get him. Yeah, Mulder. He also, when they're canvassing for Scully, because they think they know um, the area where she's in, he's like, boys, this one's really important to me, so don't mess it up. He does. He also knows her phone number by heart. He does. That was so cute. Which, I mean, maybe is, like, more common in the 90s than now, but I still yeah. think it's, it's quite sweet. I think it is, too. I, do, I did think the same thing of, um, we used to know people's phone numbers yeah. back then, but it's very sweet that he knows hers. I, mean, he, I don't think he calls anyone else, so it really makes sense. Definitely not. He doesn't talk to anybody else. Only, that's why, I mean, I feel like they do it more, like, later on than at the very beginning, but they'll constantly, when they're calling each other, it's like, Mulder, it's me, or, like, Scully, it's me. Like, they don't say anything else. Because no one else is calling either of them. <laughs> yeah, I think they probably don't need to introduce themselves. They don't. It's just, it's me. It's me. The love of your life and business partner and only person that calls you. Exactly. Scully is being held hostage when they're canvassing for her. And the uh, bank robber, the female bank robber, has asked for a million dollars. And I just wanted to say that I think Scully is worth a million dollars. Oh, yeah. At least. Ten million (laughs) dollars. She should have asked for more. (laughs) I think Mulder would have found a way to do it also. If he had. Oh, for sure. Obviously, he's an FBI agent, so he's actually just going to, like, come in and, like, kill her. Um, But he would have robbed a bank to get a million dollars to pay for Scully's return. So this episode ends um, by the female bank robber revealing she turned on her husband. She turned him in. She's why he got shot. And she's trying to get, she wants to let him die. He's going into a diabetic shock, a diabetic coma. She's going to let him die. Uh, But then eventually he pulls a gun on her and very sadly shoots her. He's very sad about it. Um, but he does it, uh, which is, it's very depressing. And then he dies. So they both die. And Scully has just watched them both die while she's like tied up to a radiator. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's a traumatizing experience for anyone. Um, hot take. But I think that, and I just imagine it must have been so much more difficult for her in some ways because she is used to being, you know, the one that barges through the door to, like, save the day or stop things or, you know, whatever it may be. And she's just literally incapable of doing so. Yeah, yeah. And and while it's happening, she's pleading with Jack not to shoot the female bank robber, which I don't really know why sh- she cares. 
Because, like, this lady wants to kill her, would happily kill her. And then at the end of the episode, as we kind of already talked about, Scully is, like, sitting in the FBI offices and having a bit of an existential crisis about what has just happened, about her ex-boyfriend being possessed. And she tries to talk to Mulder about it. And Mulder is strangely, like, not into having a conversation. Like, he's just like, good night, Scully. And she's like, wait, but, like, what happened? He's yeah. like, I, I don't know, Scully, good night. <laughs> yeah. It's very interesting times to be, like, not supportive for her and it's very upsetting this was his moment like she's like so like ripe and like ready to understand everything he's been talking about this whole show she's like on the brink of like admitting that this is true and he's just like i don't know it's up to you good night well aliens you know i I know we've been saying this a lot. We've we've made a plea to you many times um, and you haven't followed through yet. But once again, we just want to say, hey, if you're out there, come get us because we're scared. Yeah.